Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I'm so happy to be here with you tonight. And I am joined by my wonderful, beautiful co-host, the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? I am doing super good, actually. I'm kind of excited for this episode. I'm, well, I'm excited to kind of break it down. <clears throat> Lots of interesting things happened, so it was pretty good. Well, we will uh, we will dive deep into this episode. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited too to get to some Walking Dead. Um, you know, it's the you know the season is back, and it's time for us to you know really dive deep in this series. So the name of the episode was called Stalker, and this is the tenth episode of the tenth uh, season of The Walking Dead. And it, the the episode uh, starts off with um, a v- well, okay. Um, no, I was going to say something wrong. Uh, it starts off with, uh, a visit by, uh, Beta, uh, in a, um, RV. Can you talk about that scene? Because, well, I, I, I won't say why. Did I so, want you uh, to talk about it? <laughs> so I, I was actually a little bit confused by this and, and uh, rightly so. I think we're not supposed to actually know where he goes when he gets into the RV. But what's interesting to me was that the RV is the, what he hops down into is actually hiding something that they feel is, uh, is needs to be hidden enough to post guards at because there are actual uh, whisperers as guards in this thing. So it's a pretty big secret to hide right there. And right, we we find out later in the episode where he was actually going, but it was quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it it really was. Um, I thought that uh, I thought that it it kind of opened the door to some possibilities uh, going forward. So uh, you, you know what this tells us? It, it tells us that the whisperers are a lot more organized and uh, prepared than perhaps we have maybe given them credit for it. I mean, I know there's plenty of people out there who will say, no, I've known that the whispers were organized and prepared all along, but there is an element of, of just being sort of super feral to the whispers, which doesn't always kind of sink and jive with them being super organized. But here we see you, they've got an infrastructure. I mean, this is not a small thing. No, it's a uh, it's a big operation, and right? uh, so it's it's much more than. At, at first, you feel like they're all crossbows and axes and and whatnot, and then you find out you know there's a lot more going on than you realize, and they're actually more tactical than we were led to believe in the beginning. So, yeah, there's a crazy amount of uh, of actual uh, society happening here. Well, I shouldn't say I, I don't know if it's actually society. There's a whole lot of real deep philosophy happening here, which clearly it it covers a lot. And that's one of the reasons that I was kind of excited about talking through this episode and why I actually watched it twice. There's so much dialogue in this episode and a lot of, you know, show, not tell. But the dialogue that is in here was really very telling, very telling. And I, I have to say that 
I'm not always super impressed with the way that the writers on The Walking Dead choose to allow the characters to speak um, in sort of exposition. And in this one case, it really did work to their benefit to allow that to happen. So, Yeah, I, um, I definitely agree. Now, so after that scene, we had another, and I'm going to share my screen. Uh, there we go. Um, we had another uh, visitor, um, it, but this is in our group's camp. And um, I'm going to um, go to you. And uh, what do you think about uh, about this exchange? So, okay. So the, this is actually, I think, also sort of pivotally telling about Alexandria and who they have become. Um, because the, the thing that to me says everything is, first of all, they allowed her to come in, which I know Michonne is missing at the moment. Not missing, but I mean, she's not there. And so <clears throat> leadership has fallen on Gabriel. And, uh, and, and you know, to a degree, it kind of makes sense. He's far more uh, empathetic. Well, at least you think he is. Um, and, and it does sort of seem in character for him to take, uh, to take in a whisperer, knowing that they have some very tactical information, especially about their people. Right. But what was, what I think was so fascinating was Alexandria goes through these almost whiplash moments of, we hate all visitors and know if you're a stranger or, you know, estranged from our group, you can't come in to, okay, let's take everybody in and, you know, kind of Negan style, throw you in the the jail cell and try to extract information. It's kind of fascinating that at this point they allow her in because, because it doesn't seem like, um, because it seems like they already sort of anticipate that something bad is going to happen. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did you think about it? What was your, what was your sort of take? Um, well, one thing is we know that, or I, there was no doubt that, you know, what her, um, intentions were, Mm. even though, you know, the group worried about her, her, uh, her intentions. Um, also, how many times have we seen on this show where somebody, you know, does something similar than this and then they have to kind of weigh, should they trust them or not? Should they just kill them or, or whatnot? Um, you know, it's something that's a recurring theme on the show. So, right. uh, so although sometimes we can get upset because we, uh, you know, we, it's something that we've seen before, but I think this really works in this behalf. Uh, I mean, on this one, because, you know, um, the, the Thor Birch character, Gamma, uh, is a very interesting character. Yes. Uh, much more than some a lot of the other Whispers besides, you know, Alpha and Beta, for example. Even uh, her daughter, uh, I think she's even... She's Lydia, much more yeah. interesting character. And one thing is, I love the scene with um, with Gabriel, where who's now like a lie detector, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because he get, she gave a very good performance as far as the reason why she was there and and all of that, and he's like, 
you're leaving something out. I know you're leaving something out. We're going to lock you up or whatever. And then she was able to admit that, you know, her part to play in her sister's death, which, right. which, and then he knew right away after that, that that was, you know, that she was telling the truth. So I thought that was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool scene. And and one thing I'm glad, let's just say this. All the, okay, Gabriel, I've criticized Gabriel quite a bit, his character, and there's a lot to to criticize. I mean, especially the way we met him on the mm. show, you know, and what he's guilty of and what he did to his flock and whatnot. And he's not a hundred percent clean of of wrongdoing or guilt or things, you know. But in a lot of ways, he's a way better character than he's ever been on the show. Uh, he has much more. Um, he has much more. Um, what will I say? He has much more um, um, heart. He has much more, you know, like he's much more of a leader. And I mean, you know, so I like his character a lot better than I've ever liked his character. But, you know, uh, I I really like a lot of what they've done with his character as far as he's he's a much more stronger character. I mean, what do you think? Well, okay. so first of all, I do think that Gabriel's a much stronger character. Uh, however, I have to say that there were some moments in this episode where I felt like Gabriel was sort of, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe unhinged feels like it's too strong of a word, but I mean, he just seemed to be saying things that were like, wow, is that actually in character for Gabriel to say? I don't know. <clears throat> but the, but the, um, but the piece of that interrogation to me that felt like it was, uh, telling was if you contrast how Gabriel interrogated Gamma with how Gabriel was treating Negan, it, it, I, maybe I'm way off here, but it just felt really not just different, but like maybe there was a sea change, maybe, uh, you know, Sadiq's death, maybe it actually really, impacted him in a way that maybe we didn't expect. I don't know. Something feels just so very different. I, we had a conversation during this episode that uh, sort of talked about the, the post Rick world and why the characters in Alexandria keep needing to step up farther and farther because there is no brick and to fill any kind of even temporary a spot to kind of get that feel back. It's kind of like the characters have to go through really fast changes in order to get there. And we're always really grateful when they do because, you know, yay for our side. But sometimes it sort of flies in the face of the character development that came before. And I'm not always sure how to read that from The Walking Dead. Do, Do you know what I mean? Like, does that... I'm not trying to square why Gabriel was the way that he was in Alexandria this time, just that it seems to be a kind of thing that happens that the characters end up 
sort of stepping into the quote-unquote Rick role whenever they need to be there. And it, I don't know, sometimes it just feels a little disingenuous. Yeah, yeah, it, it does feel disingenuous in a lot of ways. It's like, it's like they're looking for someone to plug in some of the the missing uh, aura that that uh, Rick left behind. And uh-huh. first of all, it's hard because he's a beloved character, and and uh, just on the as you talk about him with the show, you know, um, his character, you know, was very well respected, and a lot of people on that you know, the characters on the program looked up to him. They didn't always agree with him at times. There were times where they were vehemently against him, but there was always that respect that they had for him, even more so than other beloved characters. So I'm saying that to say this is that we have all these other characters that we're trying to, to put in there and try to figure out how they fit in this post Rick world, as you call and we have people like Michonne, who's who has uh, taken a step up. Daryl has taken a step up. Where we, you know, we even questioned if that was even uh, possible based on what his character has shown before. But he's, you know, he's done a good job as far as stepping up. And so now we have Gabriel. And a- another character I, I want to mention as well is uh, is Rosita. Uh, Rosita. I don't know how. How do you feel about Rosita at this point, uh, Rosita? I, I they've struggled to really find a place for her, and uh, I don't know. Like some moments you love her, and other moments not so much. Uh, okay, <clears throat> so, so excuse me. So we get to the point, I, I, and I think it's probably appropriate at this point to say that what happens is Beta ends up coming up through Alexandria. That the the space under the trailer is a tunnel that somehow they have dug all the way up through Alexandria. And he comes out uh, under a grave, actually. Um, And so, I mean, that imagery by itself was actually really cool. I really like the idea of the resurrected dead as the whisperers. That was very cool. Um, But he, so the, the reason that I bring that up is because the time that she should have been able to shine was then. Right. We've got Beta running around the town, almost like, you know, the Walking Dead, Jason Voorhees in houses, slashing people, you know, creating his own little mini zombie army. It was actually for I have to say that that look, I'm not a huge Beta fan. I mean, not, you know, that I want Beta to win, but damn, that character is so good. Uh, It's hard not to sort of want to somehow. Uh maybe not root for him, but really respect the kind of massive, you know, badass that he really is. It was just absolutely amazing. But, but Rosita should have at that point, that should have been the time for Rosita to shine. And somehow that isn't what happened. You know, it felt flat. It didn't feel like, uh, like there was a moment for her to sort of, be the hero and I feel like that is what I felt like that was what it was all leading up to I felt like that was the whole reason that she stayed behind yeah they were trying to give her that moment the hero moment and I don't know necessarily it it worked let's let's kind of can we be honest though 
Beta's a big, strong guy. That yeah. and then you know he's fighting with the 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 uh, the prison the, the the girl who you know the blonde hair girl, mm-hmm. and he's like actually struggling a little bit with you know and then Rosita. It's like really, you know what I mean? Like, come well, on. he's see the thing. I think the thing that they were going for. Although I, you're right, I don't know if they succeeded, but I think the thing they were going for is that Beta is a bit more clumsy. He's not as nimble. He's big and his all of his all of his uh strength is in his in his bulk basically. Um and other characters can be more nimble. And that is where I feel like they tried to stick Rosita in. But you know the other thing the other thing that I even noticed and I even made a note of it in my little notebook here is oh my God that actress is like I'm sorry. I I don't normally, I'm not body shaming her or anything like that, but holy smokes, it feels like over the past couple of seasons, she is now skin and bones. And, and that stark contrast between Beta and her in that moment was, I mean, it was almost shocking. It, it felt very shocking. Yeah. And they did the horror trope where they shot him and Instead of finishing him off, they walk by. You know, <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. He was Jason Voorhees, right. uh, and I'm sorry, it, I, I used the wrong one. Uh, I'm mixing my tropes. Uh, it, it's Michael Myers. Michael Myers. They treated right. him like Michael Myers. Yes, right. he was. Yeah, the stalker in the mask. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. Like every once in a while, they'll do like a kind of a classic horror type feel to to uh, a large part of it, and this is something. Yeah, like it was a big episode. shout out. Yeah, so this actually, you know, had had some of that in it but it's kind of silly too you're like really you know well so the thing that i pulled away from that was okay so rosita didn't actually get her shining moment but you know what i actually pulled away from that was that beta is he is super maybe not super intelligent (laughs) that would probably be stretching it but he like you said before he's very tactical he actually understood enough to get uh, a bunch of people dead in a room, wait for them to uh, come back and then use them as weapons so that he could create more carnage. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's like something that you, that we haven't seen done specifically, but in this context, it was actually really good for the sequence because it kind of added to the fact that, first of all, Beta was in no hurry to make his plan come to fruition. He, I mean, any other, I think, person or people in the town would have been like, oh my God, we gotta hurry up because who knows what's gonna happen. And Beta was just like, no, we planned this all out. You know, everybody's been drawn out of Alexandria. This is at my pace, at my leisure. And it really felt like he was in command of the town for just a short bit. And it was kind of awesome. Right. No. Yeah. And it shows you that he's not just a big, dumb, you know, uh, lug there. He's actually very cunning. So. Yes, he, he is definitely cunning, but I just would draw the line at super intelligent. Cause I don't, I think that's it. That's an alpha trait. That's not a beta trait. What a great, uh, segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's like, and you would have thought we had this planned. Uh, let's talk about Alpha in this episode. What do you think? So, okay. So a couple things. 
um, first of all, I, I, you know, once again, I'm not a bad guy worshiper. You know, I I definitely am always rooting for the good guys. But, uh, you know, The Walking Dead makes such good bad guys that sometimes it's hard not to give them a, a hats off nod of respect for being just as bad as they are. Um, Alpha, the way that the way that I saw everything sort of unfolding between she has this confrontation with Daryl, and the way that I saw everything unfolding, first of all, the two of them are dead matched, which is really interesting to me because who would have thought that Alpha and Daryl would make such even foes? I I wouldn't. Right. I I don't know. I thought that Daryl would have been just like you know take over and be able, I don't know. I just figured, and also just the way that they write Daryl, you know, so often it's some crazy little thing or circumstance will happen and it saves Daryl and he doesn't have to suffer and he doesn't have to go through as much as uh, some of the other characters. So I don't know, that was actually kind of interesting, but, um, but when they are one-on-one trying to best each other, that was tense. I mean, that warehouse scene was really tense for me because it was very clear that they were not just equally matched physically at the moment, but they were equally matched mentally in terms of what they could come up with to do. No, yeah, I I agree. I, I thought that was one of the highlights of this episode was watching them go back and forth and then also you know just the idea of that he couldn't see and he was dealing with his vision and mm-hmm. all of that and he had to think on his toes and you know just think how scary that is that you have to do that so no kudos to that that was that was pretty cool it, it gave me a, a newfound level of um well again respect might not be the right word but gave me a newfound level of understanding of how impressive Alpha's skills of manipulation really are. I mean, obviously, you know, we knew that she was really um, kind of horrible in a sinister way, but this really showed us similar to the way that it showed us with beta, that we're not dealing with just two people who, you know, came up with the idea for the whispers and have this little community. And, you know, this is way deeper. This is the, in fact, I think last season I was talking about how from the comics, there is this, you really sort of get an understanding of what the cult of the whispers really is. And we haven't really come close to sort of, getting all of that information out. It just kind of comes in little dribbles and little pieces here and there. And I feel pretty strong at this point that this last episode really gave us a peek into why or how this is successful. You know, it's successful because Alpha and Beta and the people that they surround themselves with are very smart at what they do or how they do it. You know, that they are master manipulators. It's not just a it's not just the philosophy of the dead coming back. It's not just the philosophy of, hey, we're all dead already. It's there is something so psychologically sort of deeply ingrained about being in that kind of both servitude and uh, abject understanding 
that the world is no longer yours, that it allows them, it allows alpha and beta to manage and manipulate everything in their environment. Uh, it, it's actually really fascinating. I find it really fascinating. As, as much as they are able to control the dead, simply by behaving as the dead, they are also able to manage the living by basically giving them this, the, the understanding that they are dead too. And when Alpha said to, I know I'm jumping ahead just a little bit, but when Alpha said to Lydia that, you know, she wanted for Lydia to take over basically and become the new Alpha, it was so interesting to me because Lydia has done nothing to earn that. Nothing. Right. And and it was just absolutely like mind blowing to me to hear Alpha say that. And it kind of gives you the idea that maybe Alpha wants this way to continue, not necessarily she's looking for the best outcome. Right. Uh, it it uh, stinks of nepotism. <laughs> oh, yeah, just a teeny bit. Just a teeny bit. All right. Somehow I don't think that would go over well anyway. I don't think that Beta would accept Lydia as the new Alpha. I don't know. Not at all. So any uh, last... Uh bits you want to cover before we say goodbye to this episode? Well, it was super surprising to me, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of shout out at the end for Daryl to get the last laugh in when, um, or I'm sorry, not when Daryl, when Lydia uh, carves out on the, the table, your way is not the only way. Mm. I, you know, that was actually really, I feel like that's actually really good. And it shows that Lydia, you know, her time lost in the woods, her Moses time, um, has has shown her maybe not the error of her ways, but that there is more than one choice because she chose to save Daryl instead of choosing to help Alpha. And that actually, I, I feel like that's, that is the right tone to end the episode on. It felt like, yeah, that's, that's proper. But the fact that Alpha lived is just the biggest surprise of all. This lady is tough. Seriously tough. Oh yeah, big time. So that was my. I I feel like that deserved a little. Oh, I know what I was going to say. One other thing, I was going to say we were talking about Rosita earlier. I, I can't be the only one. Although you know, maybe somebody else out there has an idea of why Rosita comes off this way. But boy, does Rosita ever come off as being um, insecure and whiny. And, you know, I, I I get it. She's got a baby. She wants to protect the baby. She just lost the baby daddy. I, you know, I, I totally get all of those aspects. But there is just something so um, wishy-washy about how they write her that doesn't, it just doesn't feel right to me. No, I agree. I mean, uh, her character is... Is not one of the the better written characters, and unfortunately, it's I feel I feel bad for the actress because you know she's cool. It, it could be, you know, it could be, but I don't feel like they are giving her enough presence to have that happen. Like I feel like the Rosita character could be a really strong character, but they keep holding her back. I mean, in, in a way that doesn't even make any sense. Like, okay, I'm trying to protect my kid, but yes, but you're trying to protect your kid. That turns you into the alpha lioness. It doesn't 
the, to go the other way, especially after everything that they've seen, feels just empirically wrong. To be honest with you, I think they ruined her character when they made when they made her uh, when uh, Abraham was like, "Oh, this is my piece of ass," you know, like back going back. I didn't like that at all. It it, mm. it made her seem like it ruined it, it messed her character up then, the way that that she was. Uh, she was, you know, shown. So, although that was kind of straight from the comics. Yeah. Well, I mean, even still, though, that's still. But the, but there's been a lot of writing since then, and it just feels like they could have absolutely done something bigger and greater and better. You know, at this point, and again, I go back to this idea of the post Rick uh, world. At this point, other than Michonne, who every time she's on screen feels like a breath of fresh air. Um, there just isn't anyone that steps up to be that role, to fill that role that makes it feel like there is anything organizationally or strength-wise going on that makes us want to even care about Alexandria. I mean, at this point, I found myself wondering, gee, I wonder what's happening at Hilltop. Like, no, I mean, I shouldn't have been because... I should have cared about everybody at Alexandria. And, you know, the only thing that I could think of was, okay, well, Judith is there, but maybe Judith will go to Hilltop. I mean, like that actually was a legit thought that I had in my head. And I just feel like that's not, that wasn't where it should have gone. No, not at all. It was a flaw in the episode. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see with yep. the uh, with the next episode. So. Still, lots more in this season to sort of unfold. So, I I I, I I'm holding out uh, cautious hope. Mm-hmm. Cautious hope. All right. Good luck with that. <laughs> all right. So, how can we get you in social media and all that good stuff? You can find me on Twitter at following bliss one. You can find my websites at moviesmakethemeal.com and you can find my uh, other website at studiowhitewolf.com. All right. Uh, why Studio White Wolf? Why not uh, Studio Dire Wolf? Uh, studio, well, it's a long story, which I actually explain, but Studio White Wolf, uh, White Wolf is actually a really long family thing that I've had. And we decided together as a group that since we uh, since we do sort of deconstruction of story all together, and my family is oftentimes incorporated into it, we would make it that. So that's why. Okay. Uh-huh. Also, let's be honest. White wolves are just adorable. Oh my god! <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. Unless they're attacking you. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. You can give me at Kente F on uh, on Twitter, Kente. Oops, sorry, Kente F on Twitter at Kente Ferguson on Instagram. And of course, the website is indyradio.org. That's i n d y radio.org. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and I want to say, God bless. <laughs> <laughs>